When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Welcome, welcome to our podcast, episode two. I'm Jahan Jones. How you feeling, y'all? I'm good. It's your girl, Taryn Finley. And it's your boy, Shakira Ron Blay. And let's dive right into it because there's a whole bunch of fuckery going on right now. So with all the social justice outcry happening, ongoing protests all over the world due to police brutality and systematic racism, there's been yet another unarmed innocent Black man, Jonathan Price, killed in a senseless police shooting in Texas. Police officer Sean Lucas, who works at the Wolf City Police Department, was arrested by the Texas Rangers and booked into Hunt County, Texas jail. His bond was set at $1 million, according to police records. And lawyers say Price intervened in a fight between a man and a woman at a Dallas gas station before the shooting. His family lawyer also said that he was unarmed. And Officer Lucas has been charged with murder and booked into the Hunt County jail. You know, we've heard this story so many times. It is almost sad because we could almost expect to hear a story like this once every couple of months or once a month. But the irony about all of this was that Jonathan Price, there was some post on Facebook scene of him advocating for Blue Lives Matter and saying that, you know, he has not had a negative relationship or negative interactions with police. What do you all make of this? I mean, just because you call the sky green don't make it not blue. You know, like you can literally believe whatever you want to about this country, about the ways in which this country treat black people. But the fact of the matter is we are still targets by the state. We are still disproportionately killed by police officers. And I don't care how blue lives matter, how delusional you want to be about that. Like white people won't save you from the fact that that is the truth. You know, like to Terrence's point, I think each of us engages in anti-racist work in one way or another, whether it's like through the things we create or whether it's through more direct action. And I don't know about y'all, but I never see myself as being in debate, to Terrence's point, with people who just deny outright truths. You know, like the movement is so much bigger than just one person. The anti-racist movement is bigger than Jonathan Price as an individual. So even when someone expresses a disbelief in this thing that we all know to exist, um, you can't really allow yourself to get bogged down in that because if we entertained every ludicrous opinion about racism, no work would ever get done. You know, I think of the tragedy of Jonathan Price and just consider the fact that as anti-racist advocates, we're doing work for people like that, even if they don't understand that we're doing work on their behalf. When I think about this story, I think about the fact that your politics won't save you from white supremacy. Your wealth won't save you. Capitalism won't save you. The way you dress, all of these things that people often think, their ideologies, their beliefs will prevent white supremacy from affecting or impacting them. This shows you that does not matter at the end of the day. 
And if you disbelieve it, that is not even just a symptom. That is a, a direct function of racism. Like racism wants us in, in works to make sure that not only do just white people believe or take part in these systems, racism wants even black people, the people, the people who it impacts directly to also play into that. So Daniel Cameron. when exactly it, it's very tragic to me because it reminds me of those who were enslaved on plantations and would snitch to uh, to the quote unquote master slave owner or whatever on other black people on the plantation. It's like, you know, you're like, you're being used as a tool. Like they will, they will literally use you to make sure that we don't see freedom. And I want to make it really clear to our listeners that we are not trying to indict this man at all, because the fact of the matter is whatever, regardless of his politics, he should still be with us, period. We have to make sure that we're doing what we need to, to protect ourselves and our entire community. That's such a great point, T, because ultimately uh, Jonathan Price was taken, he was claimed by racism, this thing that he uh, wasn't able to really fully fathom. And I just, I feel like that kind of is the environment we're living in right now. I know certainly y'all must have heard that the president of the United States caught coronavirus, yes. Mm. It feels like that's a similar dilemma, not acknowledging the reality of this very dire circumstance. Trump has announced that he tested positive for coronavirus. That announcement, of course, coincided with an outbreak in the White House that is infected. Uh, dozens of White House officials and staff and members of the press. I want to know what y'all think about this notion that we should feel sorry uh, for Trump. Go ahead, Shaquille. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> this story reminds me of a time when there was a fashion show in Fashion Week and Tiffany Trump was sitting at the fashion show. People didn't want to sit next to her. People were like, oh my God, it's just politics. Why don't people want to sit next to her? And what people need to understand is when you're a political force, when you're a politician, you represent the policies that you try to enact. And President Trump, or 45th, has enacted a lot of policies that have hurt and harmed people. He is responsible for over 200,000 deaths in the United States. So why should we feel bad for someone who does not show any regard for human life because he's taken off his fucking mask? He doesn't give a fuck about the health of the people who work for him, clearly. Why should people care for someone like that who clearly does not care or have any regard for the lives around him? This man literally created the environment and the stakes of why there are over 200,000 American lives lost to the coronavirus. Like he can sit up there and return to the White House and take off his mask and try to have this air of, of strength and of, oh, don't be afraid of the virus. Don't do, we have the best um, health facilities in the world, in America. Mm -hmm. But it's like, uh, if you look around, the people who are most dis disproportionately impacted by coronavirus, they do not have access to those things. They do not mm -hmm. have presidential suites. They are not able to call off of work and be able to like to genuinely rest and recover. There is a process for that. And for you to sit up there and to take your mask off, even though we saw your ass was barely, you could barely breathe. <laughs> you were struggling. <laughs> they had to clear out the, the White House West Wing. Like, you you're mm -hmm. fucking terrible. Like coronavirus mm -hmm. is running through that uh, the White House like a fucking Tomb Raider, and 
You are the reason. You know, we and my issue is we haven't had a single national day of mourning for any of the people who nope. have died from coronavirus. At all. I'll be damned if the first day we do have one, we're doing so for the still living president who proliferated this virus to begin with, who allowed it to run rampant throughout the United States. I come from a neighborhood where thousands of people have died from coronavirus, died lonely, painful deaths that he concurrently mocked them over. He denied them ventilators. He denied them uh, critical medical supplies they needed to stay alive. And mind you, this is coming from the very same person who early in his presidency was talking about Elijah Cummings, uh, his neighborhood in Maryland being rat infested and uh, shitholes. He was talking about shithole countries. I just think it's really ironic. It is just comedic irony, if you believe there is such a thing in this circumstance. I think what's even crazier and even more fucking hilarious, so hilarious not in a good way, people, but, you know, he announced on Tuesday that, you know, he is not engaging in any more talks about the stimulus checks until after the election, after he wins, right? The markets get fucked up because of that. Then he goes, oh, no, I'm willing to sign a bill that gives $1,200 if Nancy Pelosi is ready. I'm willing to give it to the great American people immediately. But it's just like, you don't give a fuck about the American people. You don't give a fuck because you only became motivated in signing that bill when the markets didn't look good. Mm. I just want to add throughout this four years, a lot of people have talked about how toxic Donald Trump is. And I can just think of no more fitting metaphor to close out his first term than him being a literal wafting cloud of death. On that note, Senator Kamala Harris faced off with Vice President Mike Pence for the latest debate. This was the first time ever a Black woman has taken the debate stage on a presidential ticket. It was definitely a historic moment. It felt really great to see my fellow Howard Bison on stage. But let's really get into the nitty gritty, y'all. It felt like a real debate in comparison to the first presidential debate between Trump and Biden. But there were so many microaggressions and blatant racism on that stage that it just, it made me equally as sick to my stomach as the first one did. I know that everybody is talking about the motherfucking fly that landed on his head. And that's probably what's Mike that. Pence. <laughs> yes, that landed on Mike yeah. Pence's head and the fly stayed there for about two minutes. But... I don't give a fuck about the fly. I think that the fly is a distraction. And yes, I know a fly can smell bullshit from a mile away. (laughs) (laughs) But what I'm focused on is this. Take a listen. Well, our heart breaks for the loss of any any innocent American life. And the family of Breonna Taylor has our sympathies. But I, I trust our justice system, a grand jury that refused the evidence. And it really is remarkable that as a former prosecutor, you would assume that an impaneled grand jury looking at all the evidence got it wrong. But uh, you're entitled to your opinion, Senator. Okay, so basically what really stood out in this moment to me is the fact that Mike Pence is trying his best to like kind of create a discourse in which he cannot even articulate that systematic racism is a problem. 
And that's just crazy to me because according to the Harvard T.H. Chan School, the public health school, black people are three more times likely than white people to be killed during a police encounter. And he also says something to the effect of President Trump has Jewish grandchildren. So, of course, you know, this is a man who loves all Americans. But that was bullshit to me, too, because Thomas Jefferson had black slaves and black children. Listen, I really wasn't surprised when Pence did that spin. Both of them, to be honest, did a lot of non-answers to questions. Um, however, I think Pence's non-answers were a bit more severe than Kamala's non-answers. And it felt very much like a nice, nasty version of what Trump does. I, Mike Pence's sole role in the administration, I think he has two roles. One is to give everything Trump does a veneer of politeness because he's kind of manicured this image over the last 20, 30 years when he was a conservative media figure. He was on the radio, like carefully crafting this message of conservatism that he could weave into even overtly oppressive policies like Donald Trump's. All of the warts that Donald Trump bears, Mike Pence bears them as well. He just tries to do a much better job of obscuring them from the public. Also, I have to say, I don't mind the fly memes. I love that no, thread about You're not going to take joy Sean. from that. I mean, the fly that's, memes. That's my I'm nigga not, Fly that's Sean. Funny. That's my nigga Fly Sean on the TV. You're not I feel take... like we can we can walk and chew gum at the same time. You know, we need, in, this, in these dark times, we need some comedic relief, you know? The fly was in my comedic relief. Kamala acting like a black auntie with that face. That was my comedic Acting, no, that was a black mama. That was, she wasn't uh, acting. She, she is, was a, she is a black auntie. Okay, those facial expressions were priceless. I'm so ready to see more of it. And people were trying to police her facial expressions after the fact. Like, no, if you say something ridiculous, you should anticipate that you're going to get a ridiculous face in response. And that's what, you're gonna, that's what you got. Whether you're the vice president, whether you're a niece, whoever it is. They're already doing this angry black woman spin in a very different way. And I think that's something that we all need to keep our eyes open for. But also in other debate news. So apparently Donald Trump isn't going to participate in any virtual debate um, coming crazy. up. That's what he said. Yeah. Which is really wild to me. If they're going to have Chuck Wallace or Sister Susan moderating the debates, I don't want to watch them anymore anyway. I need this a Star Jones. I need a Nene Leaks. I don't even take a damn. I'll take Gil King. I'll take Taryn Finley. I just need hey. someone with spice, with flair. I need that shit, damn it. <laughs> okay, so oh, so who would y'all want to have debate the next one, assuming Trump did show up? Shaquille said Nene Leaks. Nene I disagree Jones. with that. I disagree with that. <laughs> <laughs> Shaquille's trying to Shaquille trying to start mess. I would love to see Joy Reid. You know, she cuts through bullshit. She's a sad. She is. Oh my God. Mm, okay. I'm so glad she, I know that. Shaquille I knows. Joy she Reed got a would list. Be great. He does. I think Joy Reid will be great, though. Who you want to see, John? Mm. We got options with this. I'm going to go with uh, someone who's been well respected in the culture, someone who's been held in high regard. The culture's own Plies. Have y'all seen Plies' Instagram account? He'd be going political with it. <laughs> busted baby busted baby plies yes plies has gone political you need to check out his his ig account he's been very politically active he's been trying to get people out to vote he's been uh he's minced no words in his condemnations of trump's racism so that's the kind of forthright explicit direct 
debate moderation I'm looking for. So, Plyas, we looking for you. Let him come on to the show and talk about some politics with us. Oh, we got to do that. I would love to see that. And that's that. We're going to take a quick break. But when we get back, we talk to Sharia K. Jackson about dating during this hellish pandemic. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So we're still in a pandemic, but cuffing season is here and it feels like it's here kind of a little early, y'all. Is there even a cuffing season this year? To be honest, what does that look like? Joining us today is renowned career and dating coach and author of Boss Bride, the powerful woman's playbook for love and success. My former boss, my always icon, Sharia K. Jackson, y'all. She's here to help us. Help us help y'all to figure out some of these COVID cuffing season shenanigans and quarantine bay dilemmas that are going on right now. Welcome, Sharia. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here, Taryn. And it feels like all of 2020 has been cuffing season. So this is right on time. (laughs) Low key. No doubt. (laughs) Low key. So like you said, the game has changed, especially this year. Mask on, mask off for real. (laughs) The safest place seems to be online um, to meet people. And that can honestly be a little bit too intense too. Um, getting to know folks virtually seems to be tiresome, especially when it comes to almost being like a game on these apps, on on social media, whatever. And don't get me started on the dating rules that Twitter loves to lay down every other day. Is it even worth it to pursue dating right now, especially like online? Absolutely. It's love is always on the menu. And if there was ever a time that you want somebody to cuddle up with, somebody to hear your woes of what's going on and everything's <laughs> like happening, that. it's like, like of course, of course. And the reality is cuffing season, even though we just think it's on Urban Dictionary, it's real. It's scientifically backed up. That when temperatures cool off, we're spending more time indoors. We crave more physical contact. We are more, we the, and our social circle, mm-hmm. the way we socialize also slows down. So we're more conscious. You may, you can be out and about. In a typical summer, you're usually out and about. So you might not notice if it's just you when you get home. But that happens every year where this time of the year, people are more reflective. Now, 2020 is a whole other thing, right? You have Ooh. a global pandemic where <laughs> a lot of people have been in the house way before September, October, November rolled up. And so a lot of people we've, in the dating world, we've seen definitely people online dating sites are skyrocketing. A lot of them have integrated more tools to make it easier in a pandemic world where you see match.com has a new thing called vibe check where you can do a video conference, bumble the same thing over the summer, added the video conference. So it's like, it's not just swipe or, you know, message. And then we meet it's that in between space. If I'm risking basically 
my health to meet you, I want to make sure it's actually worth my time to leave my house. But absolutely, you want to always be in these streets. Right. <laughs> always be in the streets. Always be in the streets. That's okay? the only encouragement we needed. That's all the encouragement we needed. I'm loving all of this because it's truly feeling like an Oprah love class. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I have to ask a question for all of my friends. You know, sometimes being black and queer, there seems to be a disconnect on other, like some of the apps that we use. So what are some tools that folks are using to get chills this cuffing season other than dating apps? You meet like-minded people in like-minded spaces. So if you are someone who is like, you know what, I'm not sure I want to be on these apps. Just stay. There's so many ways you can stay social digitally. I know I participated in an event recently with MyPad, which stands for the most influential people of African descent. And they literally had Black people on every continent, except for Antarctica. And we were talking around leadership and development, but it was a way to be doing something great for the world while also meeting new people. And I definitely had somebody who was on the continent of Asia. I'm in North America, in Atlanta, slide me a DM after being in the space. So you want to stay social in whatever communities you care about. Right now, obviously, there's so much going on politically. Stay involved, whether it's the call banks, whether it's those the campaigns you care about, go ahead and get in there, put your video on and every opportunity you get, whether it be work, whether it be social, and you're constantly expanding your network. And don't be afraid to let people know you are in the market because they don't know. So we want to make sure we let people know it's okay to slide in these DMs. You're dropping gems. (laughs) Yeah, I'm really glad that you said that because I, for one, I just don't have the attention span for like the apps for Hinge, Tinder. But what I am a fan of is the fact that social media does serve as a a, a dating app of sorts. You know, I'm a fan of sliding into DMs and getting my DMs slid into. Um, In case you're listening. Okay. In case you're listening. In case you're listening. But like, what are the rules for sliding into DMs? Like, what's been your experience? Are you a slider? Are you a slidey? Are you both? Inquiring minds want to know. What's tea? I want to know. Inquiring minds. Um, you know, I have not been a slider. I've mostly been slid on. But I am not opposed to sliding if I were to see someone worth a slide. Ooh. Take that, Dr. Seuss. All right. A little poetry. So, I like that. Um, but there are, particularly with DMs, whether that be on Instagram, which is a hot spot, whether that be Facebook or Twitter, you have to keep in mind, it's almost like you're, you're at somebody's doorstep at that point. And so you do want to make sure that it's light, fun, while being flirtatious, because it, it's like, this is my personal page. So you just want to be mindful of that on both sides. But the great part about it is you already got so much information about this person because you can see their profile. You can see what they care about. So instead of just the high or the awkwardness, you literally can say, oh my gosh, I see you like whatever. I can see your stories where you've been traveling. So it's so much easier to start a smart conversation because you have so much you know about them so don't overthink it just you know be yourself but also be mindful of don't come on too strong because it is like that's somebody's front porch so you want to be respectful of the space and you will get screenshotted (laughs) that's sound advice right there I just wanted to ask you, so many people are so fearful of like diving into the DMs and getting rejected and looking stupid or look like so many people are anxious. What is your advice to people who may want to dive into someone's DMs, but they're a little shook? 
Well, first of all, I think the, the term online dating is such an inappropriate term because it's really online meeting. And that's the same whether it's Instagram or any dating site. So you're not asking somebody to marry you in a DM. You literally, <laughs> every great relationship starts as a great friendship. So you want to come in it with friendly energy and just like good energy to like, so even if it's not, you're not asking for a date, you're literally just trying to establish a connection because you want to grow from a digital connection to like, let's talk on the phone, let's do a FaceTime, let's do video. So then we can talk about meeting in person. And I know in our culture where we can swipe for our car to be outside, we can have food on our doorstep. We're so used to everything being instant that it can mess us up with understanding the fact that dating and, and really being in a meaningful relationship takes time. So you're not going to rush through the process of getting to know you. This is just giving you more options to get to meet more people you want to get to know. To that point, after a successful DM slide, like let's say you succeeded, you you swan dived into someone's dms you're in a you're in a relationship you you know touchdown how do you recommend people maintain healthy uh outlooks on their relationships when they're constantly being bombarded with imagery online that might skew what you know they believe a healthy relationship to be that is such a good question oh my gosh because i know y'all all seen it all the hashtag couple goals we are not even spoon fed we are dumped with mountains of what our lives are supposed to be and that includes our relationship say that say that and Amen. so you know not to go audrey lord on you but you got to <laughs> define for yourself what your love life gonna be or you're gonna be eating alive in these insta streets and so that means you have to be honest with yourself again and then have honest conversations with your partner around what's good for us because we all know personally, y'all know plenty of people who got the pretty pictures. They about to get the cute little family PJs and it's a hot mess over there. So you just want to get there. <laughs> you have to honestly check yourself and make sure you're managing your own emotions because you don't, to your point, you don't want to get caught up caring more that it looks good than it actually be good. So I'd rather a really good sweet potato pie that don't look amazing than something amazing that's dry. So... You want to just have, you know, be honest with yourself. And for me, for my sanity, it's my group chat. Like my girls from college, shout out to Howard, H-U, you, you know. We have a little Instagram, you know, Tiara, we couldn't resist. Of course. <laughs> I'm <laughs> proud. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> sorry, I got off track. But I would say our little group chat inside of Instagram probably is my sanity space where we have fun sharing things with each other. So you want to make sure even inside a relationship, you're still keeping your own energy up because even inside of a relationship it's not that you know all of a sudden your happiness and your joy doesn't come from one person you still have to generate that for yourself amen shout out to the group chats and also it's a pandemic still and like a lot more time is being spent for those who are booed up you know together because outside is not open yet and so with the possibility of a second wave coming and so much more quality time that may feel like less quality than anything arguments all of that how do you keep it spicy how do you work on not getting on each other's nerves and and maintain a healthy bond and relationship while we're still quarantined together absolutely and even though we're all going through a global pandemic 
every person's experience inside of it is different. And so it's important, even inside of a couple, you have an honest conversation with like, how are you overall? And then how are we as a couple? Because at this point, we're over six months in. So it's time for a six month checkup for each of us. Like, how are we doing? And so this is a time where I've been excited to see so many couples get creative. Um, even for whether you're in a relationship or someone dating, I've seen people do global dates where they're looking at museums virtually and doing things. So you want to ask what's important to you and how do, how do you feel connected to me and how do we keep that fresh even inside of this? So it does require you putting it on the calendar, you putting the energy in because we don't have the luxury of sort of spontaneity so you do have to plan a little bit more to keep things interesting because you don't have as many options what are the ways we can bring the fun we used to have outside inside of our space for sure y'all heard about those uh socially distant adult toys they got that's oh, a real child. thing that's a real thing you <laughs> what control are they? them what are they you do? control no, no no hold on you control them via app so even if you're distant you know it's something that uh, your partner, and again, something I saw on Google or something. I think I saw but, a documentary uh, about <laughs> yeah. that. Netflix has a I documentary about that. Yeah. But they're, no, they're very popular. Toys you can control uh, remotely. <laughs> <laughs> just, you, you make it sound like a robot. It's like you have your toy, you have your whatever type of vibrating device you might enjoy. And then your partner can like choose the speed and the functionality so they feel a part of your experience. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> look, Shaquille's like, hmm, maybe. Look, we, we, I mean, we, why we not? Step, we're we're knee deep in the new millennium. You might as well embrace all the. Child, we neck deep at this point. <laughs> you know. Oh my god, it, <laughs> it's just so hard talking to Sharia about like talk, talking <laughs> sex with Sharia because Sharia's like a big sis. She's been knowing me forever, but I got a real question for you. All right, brother. <laughs> <laughs> so many folks are anxious about COVID still, but they still want to like bust it down. They want to get it in. What is your recommendation for folks who want to have sex, but they're cautious about coronavirus? We have to remember your biggest sexual organ is your brain. And so I think for those of us who are used to maybe giving in to more carnal desires, you want to just check in because it's not just you. I think one of the things we know with this virus is sometimes it's not just your health, but it's like, who am I around? So even for me, I'm conscious. I see my parents every week. And so I'm more conscious. Like I probably would be more willing to do more socially if it weren't for the fact that I understand by me putting my, the more people I put myself around, that's me potentially exposing myself and then exposing my parents who are almost 70. And so I think it's real, you know, account for the risk. If you say, hey, listen, you need an itch to scratch, scratch your itch responsibly the same way you would if there wasn't a pandemic, but just be more mindful that if you are going to put yourself in situations with new people, then don't put the people who already love you at risk by you going out on that midnight twirl. Mm. Speaking about risk with old people, a lot of exes <laughs> and old flings are Girl, starting to pop up for us all, for all of us. What are some things that you should consider before rekindling an old flame? 
Excellent question. Is this where I get to tell you that one of my exes sent me a whole letter in the mail that he sprayed cologne on? Oh, shut mm, up. No, he didn't. He went snail mail. Wow. But I actually kind of love that. But also. He went snail mail with it. <laughs> was it good cologne? Was it expensive? Oh, he always had good cologne. Yeah. He's Ooh, was, it in stamps. was it YSL? <laughs> Look at y'all. I can. <laughs> this, dude, this brother went to the post I'm office. Like a high like it don't matter because there's a reason he's the ex and i think we always have to be on it can be so tempting especially now where so much feels unknown we're very tempted to lean back to the known right and so we feel like 2020 i don't know what's coming but i know you but there's a reason if it that we aren't together and so sometimes we both can grow and the reasons we aren't together have been addressed but if the reason we aren't together has not changed then it can be you setting yourself up for a more, you know, hurt down the road for a short-term fix. But that's a personal decision you have to make. But anytime you're going back into the crates, you got to remember they're in the crate for a reason. There's a, you know, so I enjoy getting the letter. My girls, oh my gosh, we love him. And I'm like, yeah, and he's not, I left him and he didn't come in 2020 for a reason. So, no. Bloop. I mean, that's why I always tell people I don't have exes. I have Y's. Like, why the fuck? Ooh. Okay. Yeah, okay. He's been sitting on that one. He's been sitting on that <laughs> why one. That's <laughs> true. He's definitely been sitting on that one. It's a bar. I like it. I love it. It really is. Uh, why the fuck was I with you? <laughs> this period has a lot of people feeling introspective. You know, you got nothing but time and opportunity, I suppose. Exactly. A lot of people are looking back, reaching back. Mm. And thank you, next. <laughs> Sharia, one thing that I love about all of your work, but specifically your work within dating, is that you always um, um, implore people and yourself to look inside before looking outward. So, within the pandemic, within all of this isolation that we're in, it can feel lonely for a lot of people. And I'm wondering what self-love and dating yourself looks like during a pandemic. Girl, great question and thank you. I mean, and it sounds, I'm working on finding a new word for self-love that doesn't sound like as light as that sounds because it's hard work. Yeah. And we live in a society that tells you actually to not prioritize yourself, to like to look for love in other people and other things in your career. And so I say that to say, I've fallen in love three times. And it was only on the third time that it was actually falling in love with myself. And it's been like game changing because I'm actually seeing myself as a, the prize. And so I don't put other people ahead of me. And it makes me a better partner. It makes me a better at everything else because I'm not thirsty. I'm not looking for someone else to make me feel. Now, what does that look like? That asks you to love all of you. Because when we hear self-love, we think it's about bubble baths and massages. And it's really around owning, the, you know, your debt and your credit score and forgiving yourself for the issue you did and the people, you, the whys, as Shaquille would say, the exes and the whys without judgment, like to like really release the judgment of yourself. Um, which takes really looking and choosing to be in this relationship with me. Because the reality is, I hope every person listening in meets the love of their life and has a beautiful, amazing relationship for life. But the reality is you come into this world by yourself and when you leave, you're going by yourself. So if you don't take some time at some point to be like, what makes me amazing? Why do I want to choose me? 
then you won't you won't be able to fully enjoy those other relationships with other people because how we feel about ourselves and it's something I put in my book is contagious. So when I think I'm amazing, other people are like, you know what, you're amazing. And if I think I'm a mess, you know what, other people are like, you know what, <laughs> you're kind of a mess. And so it really um, asks you to slow down enough to spend time because every re- self love is talking about I prioritize a relationship, and every relationship is built on conversations. So you can tell if you love yourself by the amount of conversations you are having with yourself. Do you journal? Do you know what you feel? Like, how do you, how are you checking in? How I'm feeling today? How was September for me? How is 2020 been? And so if you haven't had any conversations with yourself, then you have not put that time to build that relationship. I love that so much. What we didn't hit on directly is, you know, black women and dating, you know, whether you're with, you know, a man, a woman or or several people or whatever. But I think that there has been a lot of, um, especially online, a lot of rhetoric around like black women and dating that can sometimes be viewed from like a a negative perspective or a, a, and and, and we look at these stats and like the OkCupid um, survey um, that came out a few years ago about the quote unquote least desirable um, black women and Asian men. So I, I think it's really important to ask you about like essentially the beauty of dating while being a black woman. And, you know, despite whatever challenges um, that we may face. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to just cut right to it. I am a dark-skinned, overweight, southern, black woman with kinky hair. And the boys are always coming to the yard, even if I'm not. <laughs> yeah. And I just say that today. Say that. You know, how you feel about yourself yeah. is contagious. And why it's so important, it's important especially for black women to define is because you can't, I can't wait. I couldn't wait till Vogue put a woman who looks like me on the cover to think I was beautiful. It's 2020, when the last time you, Lizzo, Jennifer Hudson, you don't need all your fingers. And I love, it's not even a knock to Vogue. I'm just saying it's important that we own our beauty for ourselves because we do live in a society that has never valued black women, has never told us we were beautiful and it didn't stop us from being beautiful. So even with that study with OkCupid, it wasn't around who was desirable, it was about who had the confidence to come swipe up on you. And I say that to say, do not be defined by what the data says. For every person on the planet who desires love, there is love available for you. And for every black woman who desires love, of the billions of people on this planet, I believe there's someone for you because you don't need 10,000 people. I don't need a million men. I just need one. And you telling me there's not one partner who's compatible with me? Because the reality is for black women, if you're listening to this podcast right now, you are already a walking miracle. Thank you so much. Sharia K. Jackson, people. She came with a word. Thank you so much, Sharia. You Thanks are... for having me. I love yeah. y'all. Yes, love yes. We love you, you too. Thank you, thank you. Blessings. So it's still October, which is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And this is a tough one, y'all. Former BT and MTV host Ananda Lewis recently shared that she has stage three breast cancer. 
this was really tough for me, especially as someone who grew up, you know, admiring Ananda. Um, but it also is a huge reminder. Um, the National Breast Cancer Foundation reports that breast cancer is the most common cancer among American women. And close to one in eight women in the United States will develop breast cancer in their lifetime. And this does d directly impact, you know, black women who are disproportionately affected by so many diseases. So with this, and of course, you know, we um, recently lost Chadwick to colon cancer. Um, ladies, gentlemen, please do what you need to do to get those screenings, please, because our lives depend on it. For sure. I mean, Black women are at a much higher risk. I think it's a 45% higher risk of death from breast cancer. So like you said, those screenings are just so critical to you. Switching gears, a lot of new music was released last week. I, I don't know if y'all listened to the new Bryson Tiller. Woo! That new YG. Woo! But I was, <laughs> I was, you know, I'm a big, big, big trap music fan. I was listening to Savage Mode 2, 21 20, Savage, 20. Metro Boomin, and Morgan Freeman. Can you believe it? Morgan Freeman dropping some bars on us. He was dropping That's the- unbelievable. Ain't that some wild shit? That man literally <laughs> narrated the entire, like the entire album. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I've been blasting it. Y'all know I'm a baby gangster at heart. <laughs> and so this was my running is my shit. What else? I like snitches Slide and in. rats. Sliding, looking in. for the eyes they've been Yeah. 21, he, let me tell you, he's been on a roll. I really enjoy 21. This, when you link up 21 and Metro Boomin, it's always going to be magic. Savage Savage Mode 1 was perfect. Was but then opus. when you add Morgan Freeman, like, I don't know, which which movie was that? I think it was what something, God Almighty or something like that. Y'all remember that movie that? Bruce Almighty. Bruce Almighty. Bruce Almighty. Bruce Almighty. There we go. Remember he was the voice of God? And yeah, so it really felt God. like that. It felt like that treatment, but like for trap, for the hood. And you I know. really appreciated that. And I can't like I can't wait to rent a car and, and ride down somebody Main Street blasting this shit. It, it knocks. <laughs> and, it knocks. And, I ain't gonna lie. Yeah, and Morgan Freeman said he wanted to do it because he thought it would be a departure from some of the nice guy roles he's typically associated with. And this definitely was that, you know, 21 Savage makes this kind of raw music that I, I really equate to like a modern version of opera. You know, it talks about the human condition. It's talking about these really deep, these deep concepts. And so for somebody as esteemed as Morgan Freeman to lend his voice to an album like this, just it's not a genre that needed credibility, but just having Morgan Freeman present on it did wonders for it. Oh, that's interesting. I like that take. I thought I just liked it because it was some hood shit, but. <laughs> I mean, yeah, also that, also that. But you know, a lot of times the hood shit doesn't get given its proper esteem for the storytelling. Mm. So for somebody like Morgan Freeman to see value in it is, is ill. Speaking of esteem, let's get into Rihanna's annual Savage X Fenty fashion mm. show. I know y'all saw it. It premiered on Amazon Prime. And let me tell y'all, I got my entire life. It was so beautiful. It had this just amazing story arc. The fashions were amazing. They had some nice little lingerie for the kid. They had some um, boxers. I know, you know, y'all men out there, fellas, if y'all mm. want to get y'all Fenty <laughs> boxer on, Fenty go ahead, boxer. go you ahead. Know. 
But the show was great. It featured Big Sean, Lunell, My Comedic Queen, Lizzo, Willow, Thank and this you. this big fine stallion whose fancy boxers I need to see up close and personal, <laughs> Stephen G. But you know, through him and like all of these people, it was just such a beautiful uh, reminder of the range and the inclusivity that beauty period has and comes in so many forms, fashions, shapes, sizes. But there was some backlash after viewers accused her of Islamophobia. Folks pointed out that a song in her show used sacred Islamic scripture and that it was exploiting the religion. Rihanna apologized after getting called out on social media saying, I do not play with any type of disrespect towards God or any religion. Therefore, the use of the song in our project was completely irresponsible. Moving forward, we will be making sure that nothing like this ever happens again. And I thought that this was really like her, her apology was on point. You know, she took, she took accountability for it. You know, she didn't run from it. And I believe she actually um, DM'd a fan who called, who called her out and DM'd her and said that they were going to try to take it out as well. Did y'all see the show? Did y'all see the conversations around this? Yeah, I saw the show and I thought that it was iconic because you know, when you're growing, when I was growing up, you just saw images of thin white people when you thought about beauty and fashion so to kind of see a woman create a space where you see all different types of beauty represented from different ages. She had drag queens in it. She had trans people in it. She had people who body types are not consistently considered or revered as beautiful, but she made, she showcased that those bodies are extremely beautiful. And I just thought it was a masterpiece. And that's why Victoria's Secret ain't hand no more because inclusivity is what sells. You know, you know, I want to, I want to go back to, the the love big dude Twitter was given uh, the Fenty boxer line. I know T said she was trying to get chose. Uh, <laughs> who is it? Stephen G. T. Stephen G. Yes, I would okay. like for him to crush me. You know, I, I this definitely is, this is your would. platform. Stephen, my DMs are open for you. Okay, just just like we said, we had a, we had a segment where we were talking about that exact thing. You know, nothing but time and opportunity. So, exactly. the DMs is open. Exactly. So, you know, it was it was a great show. I was moved by it, though, you know, she made a mistake with not cross checking and making sure that every song she knew what every song in the in the show was saying. But I am glad that she took accountability because Savage X Fenty, like Shaquille said, continues to highlight the diversity of of us, of bodies, of, you know, people and it's just really good to see, and I can't wait to see what is given next year. I mean, unfortunately, we still don't have music from Queen Rihanna, but at least we have the Parkers, Kim and Nikki Parker. Dang, <laughs> mama. Sarah, <laughs> give me the song. We're the Parkers. Oh, he is hey, for you. <laughs> oh, let's party. Uh, she got the ad libs uh, and everything. Yes, I know. <laughs> I'm definitely watching um, Nikki Parker and Professor Ogilvy. This show is iconic for so many reasons. I think this was one of the shows that were, that was on UPN. And those shows are not have didn't get their roses in the past, mm-hmm. but now they're getting their roses. Mm-hmm. And what we forget is 
Nikki Parker went from the Parkers to an Oscar baby to now a social justice activist, you know, fighting Netflix for discrimination. So we really have to pay homage to this show because it's done a lot of things for Miss Parker, a.k.a. Monique, Mama Mo. And let's not forget so Countess Vaughn. I think that, like, this was my introduction to Countess Vaughn, the Parkers, because I, I watched Moesha late. I ain't even gonna lie to y'all, but the Parkers, like, that was on my screen all the fucking time. And I was really happy. I was probably most excited to see, not, not just the girlfriends, because I think we talked about the girlfriends before amongst mm-hmm. us three, but... The Parkers was definitely one that I was really excited to see come to Netflix. Netflix about to be uh, UPN after we done with it, okay? I was going to say, yeah. But (laughs) let me tell y'all what my head ass did. The day that the Parkers premiered on Netflix, of course, I went out to go get a bottle of Alizé because I'm like, shit, I always wanted to try Alizé. They was always drinking Alizé on the show. I'm Mm, grown now. So I went down to my local liquor store, gave the man $10 for a little baby bottle of passion fruit or some kind of jungle fruit. Alize, the yellow kind. Y'all, I took two sips. I was on my ass. You that's I was about the job. I said, nah, I don't know how our aunties drank. They used to down this. Uh-uh. It's so sugary sip, and sip. so like strong. You mentioned Countess Vaughn, and the last thing I think about is that crazy ass music video that she did. <laughs> Oh, child. <laughs> See, why, you gonna, why you bringing up old shit? You love him. Why you bringing up old <laughs> shit? Give her, give her her roses. When she opens the door, oh y'all leave y'all leave Countess alone. Look, what you mean leave her alone? We give her her flowers. Okay. 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 That's the problem. Just they left her sure. alone for too damn long trying to count <laughs> her out as a sidekick. But Countess Vaughn is it, okay, honey? And I'm going to always be on her side. I'm always going to be on her fan club. Okay. But that video because was off. That it. video was off. Listen, that- the video, I enjoyed it. I don't know what y'all talking <laughs> off about. Off to you. I loved it. To it was you. off to you. It to was you. on to me <laughs> several uh, times. But time out, time out, time out. I won't be celebrating that music video, but I will celebrate the Parkers. Shout out to the Parkers. Stream it. Watch it wherever you can. And that's that on that. Woo! And that's that for this week. <laughs> Thank you to our guest, Sharia Jackson. You can follow her at Sharia on Twitter and Instagram. Our show is produced and edited by the amazing and talented Izzy Best, Nick Offenberg, Sarah Patterson, and Becca DiGregorio. I'm Jahan Jones, and you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at underscore Jahan. I'm Taryn Finley, and you can follow me at underscore Taryn It Up on all socials. And last but not least, I'm Shakira Ron Blay, and you can follow me at Ron Blay, R to the O to the M to the B-L-A-Y. We'll be back next week. Until then, keep it juicy. Juicy fruit. Do-do-do-do. <laughs> Juice. <laughs> I like that. Juice. <laughs>